Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. One more time, let's get it for Jesus all across this place. Come on. Man, we are so excited to have you guys here today. And uh, man, God is doing some amazing things right here at TC. And we're so honored that, uh, to just be a part of it, man. And so we're, we're jumping right back into our name tags series. And uh, before we get too crazy, I heard that while I was in the Dominican, Pastor Dan absolutely brought the stinking house down last week. And so... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, man, shout out to, it's so good to be able to go away and, uh, and not feel like I got to worry about the preaching. He's been doing that a long time. And so, um, but he, he, he brought it. And so we're super grateful for that. And so we're in the name tag series and, and it's Palm Sunday. So we're, we're, we're actually bringing the Palm Sunday message into the series because it, it really works that way um, with this idea of seeing God a particular way. And as we do that, I, I, how many guys in here are, where are my C and D students at in school? Where are y'all at? C and D students, where are we at? Eight, nine, 13, four. Okay, cool. Where are the A students at? All right. That's what I think about y'all. So, uh, but that was, that was about three-fourths of the room. What the rest of y'all doing? Failing? Which y'all, like, good gracious. <laughs> F students? No, uh, no, it's really, it, it's good. I, I remember hearing this story uh, uh, about these. I was, I was a C, do, uh, C and D student myself, occasional B student. I got an A in lunch. That was good. Uh, but so <laughs> I, was a, I was a C and D student myself. C's get degrees. A, A. All right, so... Um, but I remember hearing this story of this magazine entrepreneur. And this magazine entrepreneur, uh, he had, I mean, he was, he was a millionaire, multi-millionaire, made all of this money. And, and he told this story of when he was in high school. He was his junior year in high school. His whole life he had ever been a C and a D student. He just wasn't, he barely showed up to class, just kind of messed around. And so he had to take the SATs his junior year. And so he takes the SATs because he told his mom he would, and he takes the SATs. If you know anything about the SATs, it's, about, it's out of a 1,600 score, so you can get 1,000 out of 1,600 or 1,200, 1,600. So he takes the SATs, and he gets a 1,460 out of 1,600. And he goes, oh, my gosh. His mom said, did you cheat? <laughs> he said, mom, I wish I could have, but I couldn't have. The way it was set up, I couldn't have cheated. And she said, you really got that score? He said, oh, no, I guess. And he said, and so he started thinking to himself, what could happen if I actually started applying myself? And so he went into his senior year applying himself. And, and in his senior year, he started going to class. He started studying. He started hanging out with different people. He said, I want to see what could really happen. And as he's going to this, uh, he graduates uh, from high school, right? And so as he graduates from high school with a, uh, a four-point whatever, which when I graduated, I, listen, I was so far out of high school, I didn't even know you could get above a 4.0. I remember when they had the Maglum Sum whatever uh, at the thing, they are like, with a 4.6, and I remember sitting this on the next to me, a 4.6? 
I thought a 4.0 was as high as it went. And they're like, no, you can get better than that. I said, then why does the 4.0 matter? <laughs> you know, uh, he was like, no, they're just exceptional. And I was like, that's dumb. They got different math than I got. My math ain't math and right. So, um, but I, so uh, he's, he, he gets up there, graduates with a four point whatever, and, and, um, and he goes to a community college. And from there, he went to Wichita State. And after he graduated at Wichita State, he went and did, he went to an Ivy League college and got the last parts of his degrees and launches this magazine company, grows it to millions of dollars. And it all started because there was a moment where he started seeing himself differently. And today I want to talk to you the idea about seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Because I guarantee you God sees you differently than the way that you see you, right? And I know I've struggled with this, and I believe that many of you have struggled with this too. And it's to see me the way God sees me. Matter of fact, I've always felt like I was fighting an uphill battle for me to see me the way God sees me. But honestly, for me to get the world to see me the way I feel like God sees me. Does anybody struggle with seeing yourself correctly? Does anybody struggle with seeing you the way God sees you? And so here we're dealing with this. And so I've, as I've moved through this, and after talking with a number of people, I've realized this one thing is probably true for most of us, and it's this. Despite what I accomplish in my life, I struggle with feeling insignificant in my life. Despite what I accomplish... So despite that uh, I, I may get that job, I may have that paycheck, I may be able to accomplish those things, I may be able to grow in those areas. Despite all the things that I accomplish, I still fight the str- and I struggle with the feeling of insignificance in my life, right? And maybe you're like that too. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can be that way. And so as we deal with that, the one thing that I've noticed over and over and over again in the Bible and in life is that this one thing is absolutely true. And that is that God has a track record of using people that seem insignificant in very significant ways. God has a track record of using people that seem insignificant and using them in very significant ways. That's why I believe 1 Corinthians 1.27 says it best. He said, God chose things the world considers foolish, say foolish, in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. If you grew up in church, you've heard the scripture communicated this way. God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Right? And that's that God does a lot of things. Because how many of you know, if you do something great, you want to take credit for it? Where are y'all at? Anybody? How many of you out there, if you do something great, you want to take credit for it? The rest of y'all got false humility. That's all I'm saying. You need to get that together. Right? How many of y'all ever met someone where you like you try to give them a compliment and they're like, "Oh, glory to God," you know, like, you know, you're like, "Man, you did great there," and they're like, "It's just because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ." You know, you're like, "Stop, stop it, <laughs> just take the compliment," right? <laughs> like they got all this, like, you know, great man, you did, oh, you know. <laughs> you you want to be like. Or you showed up today. You know what I mean? Maybe both, right? But, like, but in all seriousness, right, there, there is this idea, right, that God can take all of us and do something great with our lives. But there's a reason that matters. He desires to do something great with your life because, listen, he gets the glory out of your life. So God has a self-exalting ambition with your life. And now if he has a self-exalting ambition, in other words, he wants to get the glory out of your life, don't you think that should change the trajectory about how you see yourself in your own story? 
And that's what I want to show you some of this morning as we talk about Palm Sunday. Because Jesus, Palm Sunday is all about Jesus and his victorious ascent into the city. But I want to show, or entry into the city. But I want to show you some things that it can bring to the surface. Because Jesus had a claim that he was God. Now I want you to just think, like, with me for a second. I want you to imagine you going to Publix after service today. All right? So at home, everybody in here, I want you to imagine you're going to Publix. You're on aisle three looking at the chips that you told yourself you weren't going to buy anymore. Because summertime bodies are around the corner. Come on, right? And so you're like, I'm not going to buy any more of those, but then you're there. All right? And so we're looking at chips. Somebody walks up to you and they're like, I want you to know that I'm the Messiah. I am Jesus in the flesh. What would you do? Run away. That's what you would do. Right? You're like, man, I saw you walking down Cervantes the other day. Don't try me. Okay, so, so you're, you're, naturally, you're naturally not going to believe it, right? You're like, no, this, ain't, this, this definitely ain't the guy, right? Why? Because it's like, that's ridiculous. But I want you to imagine how the people in this time frame of the Bible were when Jesus comes on the scene and what their people, what their heritage, what the Jewish culture have been waiting for for thousands of years, this man is now on the scene and he's claiming to be Christ. Right? Which brings me to this statement that I think is so true that all claims of excellence and greatness seem ludicrous until they're not. Jesus is like, I am God in the flesh. And I'm telling you right now, if it were me, I'd have been like, this dude is out of control. And then he starts turning water into wine. And then he starts healing blind men. And then he starts helping the lame walk. Right? And then he starts multiplying lunches, which I think is out, that's great. You know what I mean? Like he turned 12 pieces of sushi into a buffet. This is outrageous, right? He, so he, he start, he's doing all these amazing things, and it, it, it clicks. Maybe he is who we thought he was. And hear me, I think for so many of us, perhaps you don't need to diminish the label that God gave you. Perhaps you just need to start seeing things and speaking things differently about the label God gave you. Listen. We're going to show you, if they didn't believe Jesus was Jesus, don't think they're going to believe that you are who he says you are either. But it doesn't mean we don't need to see ourselves differently. That's why perspective matters. Say perspective. Perspective Perspective matters. And this past week, man, we had a perspective shift. Like I said, I just got back from the Dominican Republic with a, a team that went with me. And we did some mission work for six days in the DR. God did some amazing things. And so just to give you a little highlight of what that looks like, we want to show you this video. Go ahead and roll it, guys. You know, when we see different countries and we see different people, honestly, we see how they live. When you go to their towns, you go to their cities, you see what poverty looks like. But more importantly, you see the need for hope. You see the need for joy. You see the the need to bring something that they honestly may not have. Not just playgrounds, not just food. There's something more, there's something missing. You know, we go to other countries, we go to other islands, we go to other areas. The one thing that tends to show up a lot is joy. Joy in kids' faces that quite frankly don't have a lot. Joy in families that are desperate for healthcare, desperate for change. But you know what? They seem to have sometimes even more than we do. One thing I figured out recently, as I've gone on some mission trips over this year, is that they've taught me as much as I've taught them. But one thing is absolutely undeniable. 
and that's that the gospel still works. Because regardless of how much they may need healthcare, food, supplies, one thing that they absolutely, without a doubt, must have is Jesus. And guess what? You have the opportunity to make Jesus around the world possible. You have the opportunity to change the trajectory of eternity for kids and families all around the world. And it's possible because of generosity. Maybe you wanna put feet on the soil, let's do that together. Maybe you can't do that, your generosity helps us do that together. No matter what, we're taking Jesus to the nations and I'm inviting you to come be a part of it with us. Let's do this as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be, even in the Dominican, Nicaragua, South America, Asia, wherever it may be, you can make a difference when you live generously. Let's do it together. So in that perspective shift, I want us to look at what happens with Jesus. So let's go to Mark chapter 11 together. And we see that we're setting up the scene where Jesus is getting ready to make his triumphant entry into the city. So he sends the disciples ahead of him. He says, hey, I want you to go into the city. There's going to be a colt. He's going to be tied up. I want you to bring him to me. So they go into the city. They find the colt. And they're like, oh, snap, here it is. So they see it. They grab the colt. They bring it to Jesus. And that's where we pick up in verse 4. And they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a door. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the field, and these were palm branches. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And here is this triumphant entry into the city by Jesus. And he's coming in as the triumphant king. He's coming in as the one that's going to rule and reign. He's coming in to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. He's coming in to be the one that they hoped he would be, right? But the reality is this, and this is what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning, is the triumphant entry doesn't matter if you don't have a revelation of who he is. The same way we would doubt this random guy in Publix is the same way that Jesus is only who Jesus claims to be if he's a revelation to us. In other words, Jesus can be miraculous to others. He can be God to others. But if, if he doesn't become something more in your life than just an optional follow, if he doesn't become king, if he doesn't come to be, become the victorious one, the reigning kingdom, if he doesn't become all of those things to you, listen to me, he'll never become the things to you that help you become who you need to be with him. And so here they are coming into the city. And today I want to talk to you about this one word, which is revelation. Turn to your neighbor and say revelation. Because we have to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Otherwise, we'll never see ourselves clearly and we'll never commit to him fully. And if we don't have an understanding of who Jesus is, it warps everything else. And so let me just give you three things today that revelation changes. The first thing you need to know is revelation will change our observations. A revelation of who Jesus is will change our observations of what we see. Revelation will change our observations. You see, they're looking for someone. They're waiting for someone. Their heritage, their culture, they're all looking for Jesus. But I want you to understand something. They knew what they needed, but for the first time they could see him. 
And how many of us in our lives will acknowledge that we've gone through seasons, we've gone through areas, we've gone through times where we struggled to see things clearly, we struggled to see ourselves clearly, we struggled to be able to see through our circumstances, we've struggled to be able to make our way through anything. But how many guys know that when Jesus shows up, he changes our ability to see things clearly? When things in our life seem muddy and they seem out of sorts and we're not sure how we're going to make it and we don't know where things are. And how many of you have had that moment where all of a sudden you went from unclear to Jesus comes on the scene and things get clear? You go from uncertain to Jesus shows up and things start to get a little more certain. You, you may not know exactly how he's going to do it, but your faith starts to get increased because you're going, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know I'm with the one that can absolutely do it. And Jesus shows up and it changes because they start seeing things differently because Jesus is on the scene. And here's the reality. They had to see Jesus for who he was. Listen to me. Not just who they wanted him to be. And so they, they start looking at him, and when they start proclaiming Hosanna and blessed is the one, they're actually quoting Old Testament scripture, Zechariah 9.9. See your king comes to you. So there's a prophecy about the king that's going to come, and this is what the prophecy says from the Old Testament. Righteous and victorious. Lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In other words, there was a proclamation that this is how the entrance would happen, and this is how the entrance is happening. But listen, I want to help you out today because Jesus can come in as the victorious king, but if he never becomes the victorious king to you, then you can never see things clearly. And this is what we know is that for some of you, and I hope, I, I want to help move you through. If there's any of you in the room that are struggling this today, I want to help move you through this. Because I believe for some of you, you might see the benefit of Jesus, but you don't see your need for him. And so Jesus is the one that can fix some things for you. He's the one that can help you when you're feeling low. He's the one that can take care of some of your problems. You see him as the one that maybe can help with certain areas of your life. You can see the benefit of having him, but you haven't yet reflected on the fact that you absolutely need him. There is no heaven outside of Christ. There is no way to get there if Jesus isn't the entrance way for you. I'm here to tell you he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And so for, for, for many Many of us, I believe, we're trying to build a good life on earth, and we're looking at Jesus as an accessory to the life that we desire, not making him king over every bit of our life that we have. And the problem is that creates Jesus as a side chick, not the main piece. And so what do we do? We, we, we end up with a life where Jesus is on the shelf until we need him, and we access him like a spare bank account, not like the one that takes care of everything that we need. But you see, a revelation of who he is leads to a different observation in our lives. The second thing that it does is that revelation leads to different declarations. It changes the way we communicate. And I want you to understand something about what we see and what we say. Because the reality is this. I want you to understand something. All of your identity is tied up in who Jesus says you are, not in what you're accomplishing for yourself. All of your identity is not found in what you can accomplish. It's not found in what you can do. It's not found in how hard you can work. It's not found in how much money you can make. Listen to me. A revelation of who Jesus is changes everything because now everything you're trying to build is now being built on the one that can create something for you. When Jesus comes on the scene, the powerful thing is all of us, we're trying to create our reality. We're trying to create our identity. We're trying to establish who we are. We want people to see us a certain way. We want to be successful. We want to obtain the money. 
We want to try to build our status. We want to try to do all of those things. But I'm here to tell you, you can't build your identity because your identity isn't built, it's given. Jesus says who you are and you build on who Jesus says you are. You don't build who you are on your own. Which is why we have to be able to observe and declare things through a revelation of who Jesus is. Because listen, you'll never see you correctly until you see Jesus correctly. So there's a revelation that changes our observations, but then it leads to different declarations. Say declarations. You see, they had to make a declaration about Jesus and what he came to do. And so what are they saying? Again, we go back. It says, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. They're, they're making these proclamations, but all of them are Old Testament proclamations. This is found in the Psalms. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success in one, Psalm 118, 25 through 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And, and so Here's the thing that I think for many of us, that it changes our declaration. You know, a revelation of who Jesus is should cause us to talk differently. And I'm not saying like that we should start using different language. I'm talking about we should start using a language that builds things up, that identifies, but more importantly, that starts to establish something. You know, so they're coming into the city, Jesus is, and they start laying their cloaks. They're taking their jackets off, and they're laying them on the ground. They're taking palm branches they had cut. They're laying them on the ground. And what they're doing is they're building a pathway for the triumphant Christ to come into the city. The King Jesus, they've been waiting for for years, for thousands of years. They're waiting for him. He's coming into the city, and they're saying, we're laying it all down so that you can have a pathway to come right into our lives. And my question to you is this, what would it look like for you to lay down the palm branches and the cloaks of your life? Better yet, let me put it this way. What does it mean to call Jesus king? I'm, I, I am a passionate watcher of medieval shows. So I love medieval, like, I love the medieval time frame, horses, swords, armor. That's my jam, all right? TV shows that got that, I'm in instantly, all right? I'm like, man, God, I feel like I, I, feel like I would love to be in that time frame until I'm like, wait, y'all's bed's made out of what? <laughs> like, Never mind. Where's y'all's bathroom? No, I'm good. I don't want to do that, right? <laughs> so, but I, I love watching those shows. But one thing that always gets me every time I watch it is how society interacts with their king. Because he's not an optional person you bow to. He is the one that you surrender everything to. And what does it mean for us to call Jesus king in our lives? Is he the optional person that we add to the list of things that are already important? Or does he become everything in our lives? Is he the person that we just kind of bring into the fold? Like, yeah, this is, no, no, no. Listen, when you call Jesus king, you surrender everything to him as king. Everything in your life becomes secondary because his kingship rules over all. And he, when he comes in as a victorious king, he says, you're saying, Jesus, I'm putting you on top of everything. You are the most important. You are the priority. And everything else takes a backseat. And so listen to me. It means complete surrender. But I want you to understand something. Complete surrender. Say surrender. Complete surrender requires something else entirely. And that's what I want to bring you to today. And it, bring, it requires transformation. Complete surrender requires translation, and that's why I want you to understand that revelation is only experienced in transformation. Revelation, it changes how we observe things, it changes how we declare things, but I want you to understand today that it's only experienced in 
transformation. You see, he's coming into this city, and these people have waited thousands of years for him to get there. Their, their grandfather's grandfather's grandfather. Stories have passed down through generations. But I think that it's interesting that many observed and declared his name, but they didn't all see him as God. They were anxious for who he came to be, but they didn't see him for all of who he was. Some did, but not all of them. Because many of them lacked revelation just like today. So to give you context as to what's happening here, at this point, everyone in the land is under Roman rule. So the Romans rule everything. So there's oppression on their people. They're having to be subject to what the Romans were trying to accomplish in the land. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, when they're talking about a victorious king, they're not seeing him the way we see him as the victorious eternal king that's going to set all things right for all eternity and one day we'll get to heaven. They're looking for a king that's going to mess some stuff up today. Like, they're looking for someone, they're looking for a king that's going to change everything in the land. They've been oppressed, they've been put down, they've been walked on, and now our king is coming and they're here to mess them. Like, and listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, if it were me, I'd be selling out all day, every day. Like if, if Jesus was coming on the scene, I'd be walking behind him like, oh, y'all fitting to get it now. Like, they're looking at the Romans like, boy, Jesus is here. Y'all feel, like, I'm, I, that's how I live my life. Y'all do whatever you want. All right, maybe y'all be quiet in the corner. I'm selling out to everybody. If I know Jesus is here and he's on my side, I'm hollering. You can't keep me quiet, right? Y'all finna get it. Y'all finna get it. Y'all finna get it. Anyway, so, but he comes on the scene. That's what's crazy. So he, he comes on the scene, but not everybody sees him as God. Listen, some people wanted something from him more than they wanted him. You see, for some of them, if our experience with Jesus is only observations and it's only declarations, but it never brings transformation, all we're seeing Jesus as is someone that can add something to our life. We're never seeing Jesus as our entire life. If all we do is come in on Sunday mornings and have good church service and maybe go to small groups and maybe we read our YouVersion Bible app <laughs> and maybe we do all those things, but it never completely transforms our heart. We may become religious, but we never lock into Jesus becoming victorious in our life. If all we do is participate, but we never get a revelation of who Jesus is supposed to be, listen, you will know the right things, you will see the right things, you will say the right things, but you'll never become the thing that Jesus came for you to become. That's why transformation is the necessary component. We have to become someone else if we're going to have Jesus be king in our life. Can I be honest with you today? You don't get to be all of you and then become what he wants you to become. You either lay it all down or you lay nothing down because Jesus is an all or nothing kind of God. And I can see it now. They want something from him, but many of them don't want him. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus comes in to say, I'm more than your fixer. I'm your savior. I'm more than your counselor. I'm your king. Listen, I'm more than your money manager. I'm your Messiah. I'm more than just the person you want to add to your life to make some things better. I want you to know that if I'm coming in as victorious king, I intend to change everything. I intend for you to lay your life down. I intend for you to follow me. But the beauty behind what Jesus does is if we lay our life down and we follow him, we have absolute assurance that he wins. Pastor Justin has a phrase on staff. He says, if I were a betting man, and I am. 
And we, he says that often, and I feel like this applies here because I, I believe for many of us, we're looking at Jesus with not absolute assurance of who he claims to be, but just with a little bit of hope that maybe he could be who we want him to be. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. So here's the question. Would you rather have 100% confidence in the one that never loses or a little bit of confidence in yourself with a consistent pattern of losing? I'm picking Jesus every time. I don't know about you. I've messed a lot of things up on my own. Anybody? 13, 14 of us. The rest of y'all, you're just liars. All right, that's really what it boils down to. And so what happens? He comes on the scene and he changes everything. And that's what I want to show you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. This is what it looks like to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then this is what he says. This is how we do it. You ready? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, say then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And how many of you are like me? Where you've tried to test and approve what God's will is, but if you were honest, you haven't let him transform your mind yet. You're trying to walk in who God is, but you haven't completely surrendered to who he is. You want godly things, but you haven't committed to God himself. Jesus is part of your life, but you haven't let him be Lord and King over your life. And I'm here to tell you today that his victorious entry into the city was setting the stage for all things to be made right. But if we don't let his victorious entry into our lives, the same things will not be made right. He has a desire to come into our life. He can be this for me. He can pay that for me. He can heal this in me. He can help me find a wife or a husband because I'm tired of being single, right? He can help fix my marriage. He can save me from this. He can help me with this addiction. He can help move me through this problem. He can help take care of the fact that I, my car barely cranks sometimes, right? Maybe not all the time. Like he can, he can help my kids stop losing their minds, right? Like he can help with this problem. He can help with that problem. He can heal this in me. He can take care of that. Listen, you can want all of these things from Jesus, but I'm here to tell you, if you just don't get Jesus, you don't get those things. And that's why it's important that we have a revelation of who he is. Jesus doesn't desire, desire to just be part. I'm here to tell you, when a king takes over, he takes over supremely. And if you want Jesus in your life, if you want the victorious entry of the king, I'm here to tell you, it's going to require you to lay down everything. But one character out of this whole story interests me because he was there for the whole thing. Throughout this entire process of Jesus' entry, there's one character that was there the whole time, and his name's Judas. And Judas interests me because he saw it all. He's walking behind Jesus on the colt. Now, this is just how I interpret it, but I could see Judas walking behind Jesus like, man, I wonder how much 30 pieces of silver is worth. He's walking behind Jesus, going to see all the miracles. He's going to follow him for years. And he's walking behind him, and 
And we get an indication of how Judas saw Jesus at the Last Supper. And so Jesus sits down with the disciples at the Last Supper. In Matthew 26, Jesus at the table, he says, I want you to know that one of you is going to betray me. And then they all start going, is it me? Which I think is very telling. Like, bro, y'all followed this man for three years. Like, I think Peter's the only one that was like, not me, Lord. Nope, never doing it. And Jesus is like, before tomorrow, dog. That's the BLV, Brad Livingston version. That's a little different. Uh, he said, before tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, Pfft. right? Judas is there. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Now, if that were me, that's the last time I'm dipping my hands in a bowl. That's just me. I'm sitting on my hands. No, you ain't getting me, right? Then Judas, the one that would betray him, said this. He said, surely you don't mean me, rabbi. And Jesus answered, you have said so. But what Judas said is very telling. Because what is the claim that Jesus makes over our lives? Is he a good teacher? Is he a religious leader? Or is he Lord and King? And we know he's Lord and he's King. But what does Judas call him? Rabbi. Judas, despite the years of following, despite watching him accomplish great things, water into wine, all these other, despite the fact that Judas saw all these amazing things, he never had the revelation that Jesus was who he said he was. He was only ever an accessory to his life. And today I believe the reason many of us are lacking the victorious Christ as King and Lord of our life is because we see Jesus as rabbi or as teacher or as fixer or as counselor. And he is all of those things. But he's much more than that. He's Lord and he's Christ. He's king of our lives. And so what do we do? We have to let him be who he set out to be in our lives. And so Jesus comes on the scene. And what does he do? I want to take you to Luke chapter 4, verses 16. This is who Jesus claims to be. And in Luke chapter 4, he declares what Isaiah 61 says Jesus would do. So he quotes the Old Testament. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's Favor. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus comes on the scene, listen to me, to help who can't see, see again. To relieve the weight you've been trying to carry on your own. To take off the heaviness. When Jesus comes on the scene, he comes to set you free. 
And for many of you, you've been trying to build your identity on your own, but the triumphant entry of Jesus into the city to become king for all eternity is the same triumphant entry he wants to have into your life to become king so that he could change everything for you. We started out talking about the guy with the IQ, I mean the SAT score. And as we were talking about the guy that he scored the 1460, he launches this magazine company and becomes a multimillionaire, hugely successful, right? One day he gets a letter from the SAT board. His wife says, are you gonna open that? And so he opens it. And from the SAT board, they said, hey, uh, periodically we'll go back and review our policies and processes just to make sure we're efficient. Uh, and we reviewed your test score and come to find out you were sent the wrong test score. They said, you actually scored a 740. And he tells the story where he says, apparently my life never changed when I got a, a 1460. My life, start, my life changed when I started acting like a 1460. And I think for many of us, you think that something in your life is gonna set in motion you to miraculously become something else. I'm gonna tell you, it's not. What's gonna have to happen is you're gonna have to have a revelation of Jesus Christ who declares to you who you are, who he sees that you are, and that victorious Christ and his triumphant entry into the city on Palm Sunday is the same type of triumphant entry he wants to have into your life where he declares to you who you are, what you are, so that you can put on the right name tag and stop walking around like someone who's barely figuring life out, who's barely making it, but God wants to declare to you who he's made you to be, Jesus, is king. And if Jesus is king and he's my king, that means that I sit under the throne of the one that never loses because he's always victorious. He's Jesus and he's Jesus over my life. And so what does it look like for you? Let me just give this to you. I want to invite you to embrace Jesus as the reigning king rather than an optional thing. Embrace Jesus as the reigning king rather than an optional thing. And if that would happen, if that could happen, I can't help but think about how differently could we live? How differently could we live if we let Jesus be the same victorious king to us that he came to be for the world? Our lives could transform forever. He wants to do that in your life. Amen. Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you're good. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are victorious. You are the king. And so, God, we find this moment of surrender where we give you everything, Jesus, and we pray that you would transform our lives. As we put you in your rightful place, God, we pray that you give us an identity that helps us know, A, who you are, but also who you've called us to be. And in that, we'll see you become the reigning king, not just in the world, not just in eternity, but also in our lives. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're everything. We love you today. In Jesus' name, if you're here very quickly, you need Jesus in your life. You know sin has separated you from God, but you're ready to give your life 
to Jesus and watch him do something transformative because you're ready for him to be king, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as we aim to make Jesus Lord of our lives. Say it with me. The whole church will pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. So I give you that life. Make me brand new. I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's get up for all of us. Pray that perhaps for the first time we celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.